you know, and adults, it's actually a good thing to ask ourselves, and I think that's what is a thing I love about doing this Advent Conspiracy in November, is that we can ask ourselves, what is Christmas about? You know, what is Christmas about for me and my family? What is it? What do I love about Christmas? What do I not love about Christmas? Why do I think these things? And so, yeah, interesting. I'm finding my son Santa interesting. Santa. That's a, yeah, I might have to deal with that when I get, no, I'm just joking. Um, <laughs> I, I, I've loved, um, I've loved the Advent Conspiracy um, uh, over the time that we've done it, but I've really loved it this year in doing, uh, when we've listened to these things, I, I, I missed one of the services, but we had Shirlene come and share about worshipping fully and what it means to actually worship God at this time. And that, yes, I know historically we might not say he was born at Christmas. And yes, we redeemed the pagan holiday perhaps. But the truth is that it's at this time that we remember that Jesus sent us the greatest gift of all. And we worship him because of not only what he's done for us, but who he is and because he deserves it. I miss Megan's week the next week, spend less. We were out at Oberon, but I've heard it was really good. A real kind of practical look as well at, at how we can actually spend less. And, and I guess what's the purpose of spending less? Like, it's not just about, well, we want our kids to suffer. No, it's actually that we want our kids to know the truth about Christmas. And we want them to not miss out um, on anything. And, and actually, the truth of Christmas is so much more valuable than, than this kind of consumer-driven driven narrative that we have these days. I um, actually shared this video uh, this week at, at school. I, I look after our chapel and talked a bit about it afterwards. And um, yeah, the one sticking point that the school had, the, the students had, was the spend less part. They're like, no, we don't want less. We're cool with the rest of it. I uh, thought that was funny. And then, of course, last week, um, Robin, which is nice to see you. Thank you for last night. I know it was a lot of effort. I'm sure it was even more effort to get out of bed this morning. Um, Robin really was one of the key players in, in putting to, uh, together a, uh, a trivia night last night for Jenny Cooper or Jenny Chuan over in Cambodia and, and her work with Destiny Rescue. Um, some of us were there, which was just a really great night. Um, so thank you for that. But also thank you for your word last week where we're talking about give more. And I actually had the, the, uh, the job of leading out of that. I couldn't pick one point that I loved <laughs> the most. I, I kept thinking about it. And actually this week I've been thinking a lot about... Um, this idea that actually every interaction we have either makes someone richer or makes someone poorer. And so let's be people that make people richer, <laughs> that are giving in our relationships. And that actually we, we're going to be the people, you know, when, you know, often they say there's stuff weird about Christians, and that's probably a good thing. Um, because we should be weird. We should be the people that, that when we actually sit down with people, when we talk to people, when we interact with people, they feel better for it. And so let's give more in our lead up to Christmas. And that leads us to the final point, love all. And I was really excited when I got this word. And, um, uh, and so I thought, yeah, this is really good. It's right in my wheelhouse. Um, but of course, this, um, this week has, you know, as often happens when you get up here, it's been very busy for me. And so I've been writing reports and, you know, everything's kind of been going on around my life, which is good. And so I was really thankful, though, because when I... Um, when I started to think about the word I wanted to share, I all of a sudden remembered that I'd written this word um, earlier this term, and I, met, I talked to Jesse about it about two months ago, and I just felt God every time I've preached since then, I said, not yet, not yet, and then all of a sudden, I was like, yes, preach it now. I was like, God knew that this week was coming, and I was just really thankful that God 
actually got me to write this message down a little while earlier than I would normally. <laughs> and so I'm hoping that um, God's going to bless us with it today. So let's pray and just trust that God's going to speak to us, hey? God, I just thank you um, for your son, Jesus. I thank you at this time of year we remember him and we remember what he's done for us. But not only that, that it's set up a whole, uh, it's, you know, our, our calendars in Australia are set on this and that people are out there celebrating Christmas and we have a great opportunity to talk about the love of Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father who sent his only son into this earth and that God that, that really at this time we have a permission to, to speak into people's hearts. And so I pray, Lord, that you'll give us opportunities but also give us boldness and courage to do so. I pray today with this word that uh, any wisdom I can share is nothing compared to what you can reveal to people. So I pray, um, Lord, that you'll speak to people where they're at and what you want them to hear, even if it's, you know, reading ahead in the Bible or, or the thoughts that they go down. Lord God, let it, let, I, want, I pray that you take people on the journey you want them to hear today. In your son's name we pray. Amen. So what is love? Baby, don't hurt me. No, what is love? Um, it's an interesting sort of question. We've got this idea in our world today that um, love is all of these different things. Um, I actually did some thinking about this message. I did some reading and, and some listening a little bit earlier. And I uh, was thinking about how love, you know, we can often see love is a feeling. It's this emotion that we get taken up in. Um, I've got a little slide there with a the love heart. This idea that love could be our cultural expectations. Like I uh, have a friend who is, who's married in an arranged marriage. And, um, and she's a Christian woman, but she talks about how actually God brought them together and she loves her husband and she thinks that she, she says, I think it's easier for me to love my husband because of our ex like what happened when we were joined together. Our parents, you know, it's interesting. We find that really foreign, but for some people, love isn't a, a choice or a feeling. Love is something that you're kind of put in and you, then you, you know, build and grow in. Love could be just brain chemistry. There's, there's some evidence to suggest that we get addicted to love. Um, and we can even get addicted to one person. Um, and so this idea that maybe that's it, or, or maybe it's just our experiences. Um, I was talking to um, uh, my nana, Bet a little while ago, and she was talking about how kids don't really need love. And I said, well, <laughs> that's a weird thing to say. Um, but she was orphaned, and, and she said all we needed was food and shelter and someone to kind of just look after us. And so all of a sudden, her experiences have impacted how valuable and what she sees love is. Now, she is a very, very loving woman. And um, I think her point is more that, you know, sometimes we just need someone to show us love, not just say that they love us or, 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 or a feeling. But I was thinking about this. Is this what Jesus says love is? You know, uh, if you've been to a wedding ever, you've probably heard 1 Corinthians 4. Uh, love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Gosh, love sounds hard, doesn't it? Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. You see, this is this great idea about love. But again, it's not really telling me what love is. It's more telling me what love does. Do you know what I mean? Like it's telling me how, how to love is or what true love is. But I suppose it's probably more helpful for me than you know, just thinking of it as some kind of accident of evolutionary brain chemistry, it's probably a little bit more helpful than just saying, well, love is a social construct and we build it on our experiences. But still, what does it actually mean for us to love all? You know, Jesus kind of makes it even harder um, when he, he gives us examples of love. 
You know, we see in, um, Paul says in 1 John 4, uh, dear friends, let us not, as, let us love one another for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not know God, sorry, whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. It doesn't really help us necessarily in, in, in trying to answer this to people, but what it does do is it tells us actually love is so much bigger than maybe any classification we put on it. If God is love, then it's going beyond a feeling. It's going beyond just a brain chemistry going on in my head. It's going beyond just kind of however my uh, you know, situation is moving. You know, God gives us the ultimate example of love in John 3.16. For God has so loved the world that he gave his only son. So if we're to love like God or love like Jesus, actually this love is a big deal. And we, you know, we can, words, was it words, words can be powerful, but talk is often cheap too. And, and saying things like the word I love you or I love chocolate or I love cheese. I uh, love what you did there, Mitch. Um, all of these things show a different level of kind of love but actually if we're going to love like god then maybe it needs to be bigger than that matthew 5 43 i i I was i feel like i should apologize but for putting lots of verses in this but my wife tells me i shouldn't do that because it's good to have lots of verses in it matthew 5 43 you have heard it said love your neighbor and hate your enemy but i tell you love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you thanks jesus love is already hard but all of a sudden he's making it harder that not only do we need to love the people we like, but we need to love the people we really don't like. <clears throat> that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his Son to rise on evil and the good. He sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. And God, we pray for that right now. And over the fires in our state, that you will send your rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward do you get? Are you not, are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Don't even the pagans and unbelievers do that. <sighs> now he makes it really hard. Be perfect. Therefore, as your Father in heaven is perfect. Is anyone feeling like really challenged now? Like, God, uh, Cam, you're meant to be making this up, feel good, and like how we can actually love people. But you just told me basically it's impossible to love people in the way that Jesus loves people. Yeah, sorry about that. But this is, <laughs> this is what I think the thing is that we can cheapen love just like the world has cheapened, cheapened love. And I don't think we do it on purpose as Christians. I don't think we think that we're, we're doing this, but we are actually impacted by our world and our experiences. We are actually impacted by the chem chemicals in our brain. And so that we actually start to see that elements of, of the love of the Father start to be missing from our life. You know, and Jesus said, Teacher, what is the greatest commandment? This is Matthew 22. Uh, sorry, Jesus is asked, Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the, in the law? And Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. You see, Jesus tells us himself that love is not just something that affects your brain. It is not something that just affects your body. It's not something that just affects your mind. It's not even something that just affects your spirit. It affects all of us. Because if we're to love God with everything, 
with our body, mind, and spirit. Actually, um, later on, he's, he's asked a similar question. He says, body, mind, and spirit, and strength. Then it shows that love actually expands beyond just any of the simplistic explanations that we humans can come up with. And I think that's why we say God is love. We start to realize actually it's because love is a lot bigger than we maybe have given it credit for. And of course, the rest of that verse said, this is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is just like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All of the laws of the prophet hang on these two commandments. So Jesus actually says that love is the main commandment, is the main thing we're called to do. So how can we love like Christ is love? I read this verse and it got me thinking about this a little while ago and really thinking about us as a church, not just as a church here in Penrith, not even just as a church in Strong Nation, but as a church around the world, are we loving like God wants us to love? Now, as the church, are we actually being an example of love in this world that has maybe not, their, their ideas of love are watered down and impacted by what's going on. Mark 10, 29 to 31 says, Truly I tell you, Jesus replied, No one has left his home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will, will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age. Homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children and fields, along with the persecutions, in the age to, and in the age to come, eternal life. Many who are first will be last, and last will be first. This line stood out to me when I read it earlier on. Um, like I said, when I chatted to Jesse about this a few months ago, it says, well, none of these people will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age. God's telling us that the hundred times as much doesn't come in heaven. It actually comes here on earth. But how does that come? What kind of institution has God set up that can actually show His love, that can, can provide mothers and fathers and brothers and sisters and fields and work and perhaps persecution? What system has He got in place that can do that? Well, of course, it's the church. We are called to be a hundred times better than anyone could give up to come to know God. The Bible says we should count the cost of following Him before we do. And I actually believe you need to do that to truly follow God. I think about people in my world, and that's cost them a lot to trust God. Oh, when I worked in England, I worked in a um, school in Birmingham, and most of our kids were which either immigrants or children of immigrants um, from Pakistan. And so all of my Year 7 form group, my home group, um, all of them uh, were Muslim kids, most of them Pakistani, not all of them. And um, we had this girl, Maywish, and it was coming into Christmas, and and. Ma our kids were actually really generous at Christmas. I like to challenge my Christian school kids because at the uh, we did um, what's the shoebox appeal called? Samaritan purses. What's it called? Is it called the Samaritan purse? Operation Christmas Child. We did that at my school and at, when I was in England. And in my form alone, we filled six boxes. And so I think that's so amazing. I mean, uh, with Muslim kids, we filled these Christmas boxes. But this girl Maywish had. Uh, there was there was this boy. Um, his name was Adam. He was teasing her at this time about Jesus. And I thought that was interesting. It like pricked my ears up. Anyway, I, I talked to him and then I talked to her later on and found out that Maywish actually goes to a mosque that has communion. And they believe that you need to trust in Jesus. And they actually believe that the prophet points to Jesus in his teaching. So really interesting. Still considers herself a Muslim. I tried to ask more questions, but it's, I mean, she's in year seven. She got pretty bored of answering these random questions to me. 
Um, but I found it really interesting. But the thing was that her family, she said, had basically had to give up their, um, their community. They, they still consider themselves Muslim. They still go to mosque. But they, because they um, share communion with Jesus and believe that he was the son of God, they have separated themselves from their Muslim community. And I think about our Muslim brothers and sisters around, like that if they had to actually, if they came to church, it would literally blow up their, their families, their social standing, their, their communities. And you think how much they give up, but it's saying actually the church, if Jesus is not a liar, then the church is going to pay them back a hundredfold. That Jesus, that their life with Jesus will pay them back a hundredfold. You know, what does this church look like? I've got three quick points, and you're like, he's only just starting the point, but don't trust me, like we're more than halfway. So <laughs> the first point is that um, we need to see. We need to see what's going on in the world. I've got a nice little verse coming up. It is Matthew 25, 34. See, I've got the monkey covering your eyes. Because I'm starting to realize that I think a lot of churches in our world don't see what's going on. Maybe they don't choose to, or maybe we're, we're blinded by something else. Lots of verses, so I'm going to go quick. Then the king will say to those on his right. Oh, sorry. So he set up this system. It's talking about how the, um, the king is going to judge those that have done the right and going into eternal life and those that have done wrong. So he separates them into two piles, the sheep on the right and the goats on his left. And the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father. Take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or needing clothes to clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go and visit you? Gosh, I hope that when I get to heaven that Jesus doesn't say, when I'm, Jesus doesn't say you didn't see me. You didn't see the need. You didn't see the purpose that God had. I, I put you in that school. I put you in that community. I put you in that family because I needed you to see what was happening so you could do something about it. I think too often as Christians, we hide ourselves away. We start to let other things impact what we believe about the world. That that person is only sick uh, because they haven't looked after themselves. Or that person is only poor because they made some stupid decisions. Well, actually, the Bible says it doesn't matter what you think about them. It says you need to love, you need to love your friend and your enemy. So literally, even if that person wants to kill you, the Bible says we should love them. That's hard to do. Hopefully, there's not too many people that want to kill you. Hopefully. For some of us, it might be harder than others. But let's just believe that no one wants to kill us. But actually, you know what? When we see those people, they might be indifferent to us, or they might hate us, or they might love us. It doesn't matter. The Bible is clear that our call is still to love everyone, friend or enemy alike. And so as Christians, we need to be these people. And the king will reply in Matthew 25, 40. Truly, I tell you that whatever you did for the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. <clears throat> I was thinking, isn't this a problem though? Because if we're saying to love all, and we're saying that we need to do things for the least of these, like don't you think that's kind of like putting people down a bit? 
that if I say, I'm going to help the least of these, so I'm going to go and help the poor because they can't help themselves, or I'm going to go help this group because they can't help themselves. And I was thinking, like, it's a bit, I don't know, not PC maybe. Maybe it's not where I wanted to be. But I started to realize, no, Jesus is saying he, he is putting himself in that same situation with those, the least of these. He's saying these, the least of these brothers and sisters of mine. That actually Jesus came and he came to the earth and he associated with the lowest classes at that time. And so Jesus is saying that. But then I realized even further, I was the least of these. You know, before I knew God, I was so poor. I did not realize how much I needed him. And actually, when I became a Christian, I still didn't realize how much I needed him. And still now, being a Christian for like 20 years, I'm starting to realize more and more how much I need him, but I still don't realize how much I need him. Actually, our lives are so much richer because of my relationship with God. My life is so different because of what God has done for me. Actually, I started as the least of these. And so when I'm helping someone, it's not because they're, they're less than me. They're not, it's not because they... They've stuffed up and they need help, even though that could be true. Actually, the least of these is just anyone that is poor because they do not realize the power and the love and the trust and the hope and the strength that comes from Jesus Christ. And so that actually, I am the least of these. I've just been outrageously blessed. Blessed beyond anything I ever could have earned or deserved. And so for me to actually accept that blessing, I need to be that blessing to others as well. If I'm going to take that from Jesus, then I need to realize that it's not just for me. He's not a wasteful God. He does fill us to overflowing, but that's because the overflow needs to go somewhere. So let's go and love with the overflow. Quick side note. Now, Acts 3, 2 to 7. Now, a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate beautiful, where he was put down to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. He asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then he said, look at us. So the man gave his attention, expecting something from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold, I have none. But what I have, I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, uh, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. I read this after kind of writing this message, and so I've sort of thrown it in this weekend because I realized something. How many times has someone asked for money or asked for something, and I've kind of given them and then not thought of it again? Or how many times has someone asked me for help with something, and I've given them what they wanted, but because I never stopped and looked at them, I never actually realized what they really needed. Now, as a church, I think that uh, we have a call to not only to hear what people are asking for, but to see a need behind that. You know, that, that are we blinded by our wealth? <laughs> we have so much, it's so true. But are we blinded by that? And so there's actually people sitting there crippled and we give them money and think, okay, I've donated in the missions offering and that's all I need to do. And are we forgetting that actually we serve the, the king of everything, the great healer, the great deliverer? Anyway, something to think about that one. <laughs> 
So we see no. So we need to see what God wants us to see. We also need to hear what God wants us to hear. I start to worry that maybe the church has stopped listening. Does anyone else find that sometimes you watch these like YouTube videos? I don't mean to be racist, but often it's American Christians and they're saying things and you think, oh my gosh, they do not know the same God that I know. <laughs> or do you find sometimes you said things or you did things that were really stupid when you were younger, you know, that you thought were right at the time and then you realize afterwards, oh, that was like, I thought I was being a good Christian there, but actually I was literally being the opposite. No, just me. Okay. Um, I, um, I was thinking about what Paul Bartlett said at the Greater Conference. He talked about how sometimes as Christians we need to unlearn things. And that actually we can't just keep adding things to what we learn. Actually, sometimes we need to unlearn things because we're holding on to things that existed before we became a Christian, before we knew him. That we're hanging on to old ideas and trusting that that's the, the way to go. But actually, it's not necessarily what God wants us to do in a situation. Romans 10, 17 says, Consequently, faith comes by hearing the message. And the message uh, heard through. I've only put half of that up there too. Let's have a look. Romans. I got there and then I dropped it. Okay. Romans 10, 17 says, Consequently, faith comes by hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word about Christ. He goes on to start to talk about, um, he's talking about the Jews coming to, to Christ, becoming Christians. And he starts to go on, but he, he said, I'll read it actually, now I'm here. He says, um, but I ask, did they not hear? Of course they did. The, their voice has gone, uh, gone out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. Again, I ask, did Israel, did they not understand? But first Moses said, I will make you envious of those uh, by those who are not a nation. I will make you angry by a nation that has no understanding. He kind of keeps going on and he's saying, you know, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. But actually people hear that, but it doesn't change where they are. And actually the rest of um, chapter 10 and 11 goes through that, keeps going on. And then we get to Romans 12, 1 to 2. It says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is true and proper worship. You see, we need to see the need, open our eyes in the world and see the need, but we also need to hear what God is saying to us. We need to be obedient to what God is saying. And sometimes to do that, it means that we need to step out of our comfort zone. Actually, I almost think every time Jesus asks to do something, it's out of our comfort zone. Does anyone else find that? It's like, you kind of, you get like, God, I stepped out of my comfort zone last year and I'm still doing that. I'm a bit more comfortable there because I've been doing it for a year. Oh, okay, I get the point. It's time to step out again. It's time to expand my tent and expand the land because God actually has put me in this situation. I'm seeing need for a purpose. He wants me to actually go and meet that need. And so we need to, we need to, you know, has anyone got the idea now? We've got see no, hear no. So we're seeing what God wants. We're hearing what God wants us to do. That idea of prowess that he talked about, the meek shall inherit the earth. The meek just means people that are domesticated, that it can be guided by God. And lastly, speak no evil. You know, I realize that um, you can see this a lot in a lot of Christian schools that, um, we, that I've seen where 
they're Christian in name, but actually they take Jesus out of so much of what they do. And um, it scares me. I, I work in a Christian school, which they kind of force us to do the opposite, which is good. Um, but I think I never want my Christianity to be without the name of Jesus. Now, that doesn't mean that I literally walk around screaming about it and hitting people over the head with it and just being up in their face all the time about it. But it means that when someone does ask me, I need to say the reason for the hope that I have. And that cannot be explained without talking about Jesus. Revelation says, Then I heard a loud voice from heaven say, Now now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of God and the authority of his Messiah. For the accuser of the brothers and sisters who accuses them before our God day and night has been hurled down. They triumphed over him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. And you know what? We can never forget that actually the blood of the Lamb is, is powerful and that actually for us to truly um, love people, we need to actually talk about that and show that. And I, I love what Jesse said in the prayer meeting today. He says, let, let, let us be a blessing to those and, and let them um, understand that you know, that we're living out our Christian faith and speaking life, even if they don't necessarily understand it's from God. And I think that's that's how we need to live. But we also need to pray and believe that at some point, what is different about you, Jesse? What is different about you, Justin? You know, why why are you not stressing out, Megan? Like, you know, these questions start to come up, and actually it's at those points where you've lived a life a certain way that you can actually say it's because of Jesus and what he's done in my life. You know, I, I'm going to put up a picture just because I like to brag about my daughter. But um, she had to do this, um, a Christmas card for Robin Preston, who's our um, local MP um, in the Hawkesbury. And she had to, there's a Christmas card that she sends out to everyone. And um, so there was like a competition. And Esther really wanted to win because she's competitive. I don't know where she gets it from. And she puts this card out. And my first thought, today is in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. He, she actually said to mum, I need, I need people to know that Christmas is about Jesus. Oh, God. <laughs> Isn't that sweet? But then you know what? My, well, I had this thought. Well, I said to Amy jokingly, well, she's probably not going to win with that. And then all of a sudden I realized, Cam, like you idiot. <laughs> Your daughter's kind of got the purpose of Christmas. And you're thinking about it in a different way. And, and it was a joke, thankfully, but we need to realize that Christmas, that Jesus has been taken out of Christmas in so many places. Part of our job is to put him back. Because you know what? Just like we've heard over the last few weeks, we, we, we are kind of established to set up idols in our life, but they never, ever fulfill us. We can spend literally everything we have and more and try and bless people and give them and show them what we love. But you know what? It doesn't work. We can even choose to, to scrap all that and try and give more in situations because we want to show that, that you know, we truly love this person. It's not just about the money. It's not the heart. It's not the thought that counts. It's the heart. But without God, how do we truly love all? We can't. Jesus is not, uh, Christmas is nothing without Jesus. And so part of our job um, is to... Love all is to bring Jesus back to Christmas. And so I just want to encourage us today that church, loving in the way that God wants us to love is impossible for man. But with Christ, all things are possible. 
And the fact that Christ lives inside of you means that you have been made perfect and blameless and righteous in his sights. And so we can actually love with a perfect love, not because of ourselves, but because of who dwells within us. And so let's go into our world. Let's see the need in our communities. Let's hear from God what he wants us to do. And let's see, uh, sorry, let's speak the name of Jesus into those situations, the hope, the life, and the love that comes from him. Can you pray with me, church? God, I just thank you uh, for this, this series that we've done. And I pray, God, that we be a church that does worship you, that does spend less, but does also give more. And God, I pray in all of that we love all. God, help us to be a church that loves every person that we come in contact with. Let us see their need. Let us hear what it is that you'd have us do, God. And let us always speak the name of Jesus. We pray in your son's name. Amen.